Ui! 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 Everyone, everywhere loves Ganesh. The internationally renowned, non-regional, inoffensive, apolitical, vocal expressionist phenomenon. The cultural renaissance has arrived, and its name is Ganesh. <laughs> Melissa Caneberry, author of The Dish on Ganesh. Language is a vocal construct. It's an oppressive, antiquated, imperial relic. Ganesh is now. Ganesh is the future. Ganesh is every orgasm you've ever had, and every orgasm you haven't. Oh! No! No! Right? <laughs> Dane! Of age. Some people say that Ganesh is like bad or whatever because all those old people died, but like death is kind of badass, you know? And like some of them were like over 50. Ganesh is celestial. Ganesh is deliberate. Ganesh is pain. And Ganesh is euphoria. Ganesh is performing at the VFW on Route 28 in Bozeman, Thursday night, after football, behind the KFC. Bring three cans of non-perishables and an extra pair of underwear. You're listening to Bricolage. Truth, comedy, politics. With your host, Lev. On this episode of Bricolage, we'll learn about Lev's motility study, hear a new Chinese folk song, and take a trip to Spain to visit New York Times best-selling author Adam Rubin. Plus, trivia with Josh Ellis. But first... Sponsors! This episode of Bricolage is brought to you by El Chupacabras, a Spanish-English bilingual children's book about the titular mythical Latin goat sucker. Written by Adam Rubin and illustrated by Crash McCreary. All of Adam's proceeds from the book go to the Hispanic Federation in support of educational programs and Puerto Rican hurricane relief. Also by Susie's Scented Candles. Anything to help distract us from the daily desecration of our norms and institutions. Mmm, Lavender honey. And finally, this episode of Bricolage is brought to you by ExxonMobil. We make Facebook look honest and decent. ExxonMobil, hey, don't forget about us. We were evil liars first. Time for Bricolage Trivia with Josh Ellis. Now here's the question. Born in England and put to death in Jamaica in 1721, Mary Reed is the only woman convicted by the British government of what crime? Once again, born in England and put to death in Jamaica in 1721, Mary Reed is the only woman convicted by the British government of what crime?
So there was a time a few years ago when I wasn't sure if I had gastroesophageal reflux disease, aka GERD, or acid reflux, or something similar, or whether it was just the universe's message that I should, as Aaron Burr suggests to Alexander Hamilton, talk less and smile more. So this gastroenterologist who had the manners of a prepubescent boy who was just gifted a new video game and can't play it until you leave, recommended I go down to deep south Brooklyn like John Travolta in Saturday Night Fever kind of Brooklyn to a hospital and get a special motility study done. This is the story of my motility study. So first I end up talking on the phone with the lady who runs this motility study, and she explains that she's not actually a doctor. I later learned that actually she was a doctor in China before she moved to the U.S., but she wasn't yet licensed in the U.S., In any event, she speaks in accented English and tells me the study will enable me to know with certainty whether my esophagus is too acidic. She says it'll require me to come to her lab at the hospital for some tests. And afterwards, as long as everything looks okay, she'll insert a tube through my nose and down my throat and esophagus and connect it to some kind of monitoring device. And then I'll just have to wear that thing overnight and come back in the morning, and the machine will have collected sufficient data for her to make a diagnosis. I said no at first, but in the interest of finding getting some resolution about my health and well-being ultimately changed my mind and decided to go through with it. So I take the day off from work and I show up. She starts playing quote-unquote soothing music, some kind of chimes and harp sort of meditation thing. I ended up connecting my phone to it and playing a Spotify playlist instead because her music mostly just made me have to pee. Anyways, I'm laying down on the hospital bed, shoes off but in my regular clothes, and she inserts a tube through my nose and down my esophagus and starts feeding me some kind of jello at precise intervals and watching what I think was a pH reading of my stomach acid. Every so often she would write down a particular reading or point to some graphs on her monitor as though it indicated or explained something. At no point did she say anything to me about what any of this meant. This all took a solid hour plus and gave me the incredibly unsettling sensation of feeling like an infant. Finally we got through all of that and it's time to get me into the overnight hardware device. This takes even longer because I keep coughing or having to sneeze or whatever while she tries to put this even thicker tube through my nose and all the way down my esophagus. Probably only took like 15 minutes, but it felt like way longer. In part because of my discomfort, but also because of her palpable sense of disappointment each time I'd mess something up. Eventually, it's in, and she pulls out a device about the size of an iPad, but 10 times as thick. This thing looked about as modern as a TI-83. It had buttons labeled 1, 2, and 3, and a few inputs. She connected the end of the tube to it and started running what I think was some kind of diagnostics check. Everything was okay, I guess, so she tells me I should press button one when I'm eating and then press it again when I'm done. And she says, press button two if I burp. Then she points to button three and pauses and says, press if something else. Okay? She instructs me to eat particularly acidic foods and to make sure I'm wearing the contraption for the full 24 hours. Great. So I'm on my way, except of course that I definitely did not appear to be a healthy functioning person. There was a heavy piece of hardware hanging around my neck attached to a tube that was taped into my nose. So as I'm walking out of the front door of the hospital, this dude kind of looked at me like I was trying to escape the nut house. I got the sense he was waiting for someone to come running out from behind me like, Mr. Henderson, what are you doing out of your restraints? 
The end of the story isn't all that great, to be honest. Kind of anticlimactic. I ended up not having GERD, and every time I burped, I would just press button two, to the point where my wife and I still pretend to press a button whenever one of us burps. At some point a few weeks later, I had a big realization, like a massive epiphany, that when the lady told me number three was for something else, she probably meant I should press it when I farted. I don't know what the hell was in that jello, but I was breaking so much wind that day, I must have ripped a hole in the ass time continuum. So the moral of the story is maybe I do actually have GERD, and the experiment was compromised because I didn't follow instructions. But a medical professional should probably tell you exactly what they mean, right? So we are in Cadiz right now. Cadiz is in northeastern Catalan, part of Spain, and uh, it's just across from the French border. 11 p.m. You can hear the church bells. At 11 p.m. We are hearing the church bells in the town. Watch your step. Watch your step. Adam's worried about me falling since I just hit my head on the low shelving unit in our Airbnb here. We're now walking into town. I even cobblestone street, so it's not like uh, I have too little faith in you. <laughs> We're passing Con Palayo restaurant, which is where we ate dinner tonight. I would say it was pretty damn good. Hola. Hey! Ella parece diferente. Que vaya bien. Vamos a la playa para caminar. Pero vamos a buscar la fiesta también. She's like, you going to the party? She asked if we were going to party. You told her that only I know how to party and you don't know where the parties are and that's why I'm here? Or? No, she was just prior to that making fun of how she didn't recognize you wearing those gigantic headphones and wearing what looks like a miniature Don King. <laughs> My uh, recorder has a Don King wig on it, which is actually a mic sock, but um, it's not an inaccurate but description. it really does look like Eric's holding a little small puppet. <laughs> the eyes light up with two red circles, so they look, like, the two buttons are lit up with red circles. It's like eyes. It looks like a, like a tiny little evil Don King. So it is a Monday evening. No, I'm sorry. It's a s no. Yes, it's Monday. Monday evening, July first. If you lose track of the days, I guess that it's working. The that vacation is a good worked. vacation. Yeah, that's right. So, um, as you may have gathered, I am here with Adam Rubin. He is the New York Times best-selling author of. Dragons Love Tacos, as well as Dragons Love Tacos 2, as well as numerous other books, including the Those Darn Squirrels series and the forthcoming High Five. Plus, there's a chance he's ghostwritten some other shit, but we're not allowed to talk about that. In any event, possibly future young adult author and um, influencer, Adam Rubin. Adam, how's it going? How's it feel to be in España, which is where you live now? You live in Barcelona. It's good to be in Spain. It's even better to be in Caracas on a beautiful night. And I think you should look up and to your right and see how many stars you can see in the sky. Wow, that is crazy. We are strolling along a boardwalk next to the Mediterranean Sea. And you can probably hear the waves lapping against the seawall here. Okay, Adam, you're the author. Why don't you try to describe what we're looking at here? We are in a very old fishing village. Costa Brava, which is like the very northern coast of Spain before it turns into the south of France. 
and we're sitting on a bay, a little cove. It's probably a half a mile across. There's all white buildings made of stone kind of dotting the hills as they rise up from the Mediterranean Sea. People are walking along the little pedestrian walkway that goes along the harbor. And there's a bunch of tall ships with uh, like sailboats and stuff that are tied up, bobbing in the, in the night. There's some reflections off the water from like the little restaurants that are still open, but there's not a lot of light. But it's just a beautiful place. You can hear the, <laughs> you can hear the waves. They're very, very mellow. We were swimming earlier, and there's just hardly any waves in this part of the sea. But uh, I think the only negative thing you could say about Caracas is that it's the height of tourist season, so there, there are probably a lot more people here than there would normally be. Right. But we are here on a Monday, so it's probably a little more chill than it would be on a weekend night in July. That's true, but the first restaurant we walked into tonight told us we couldn't eat there because right. we didn't have a reservation. Monday night, you yeah. need a reservation. It is just, I'm just hearing the waves lap. I feel like I'm doing NPR now. Why? Because you're like capturing atmosphere. I'm capturing atmosphere. Yeah. You gotta. You know. You gotta get like room tone at some point. Just record like a I minute do, straight. I do room no tone talking. in my apartment sometimes, yeah, just to cover all of the editing that I need. Doesn't have the Mediterranean in the background. I know. I need. Right. It's crazy. I guess you're right. I need to get quiet room tone to cover up the edits here. Oh, there's a car. Two cars coming past, ruining. What was a perfect episode of This American Life? woman is bumping hip-hop. <laughs> uh, we promise we're not in the South Bronx. We are actually on the Mediterranean. So, Adam, you've lived in Barcelona for over a year and a half now. What is that like? Um, I guess, well, that's a broad, too broad of a question, maybe. What are, what are the positives? What are the negatives? What have you learned? It's been overwhelmingly positive, I'd say. It's, I love New York City, I love Chicago, but living in the United States right now I think is really stressful. And I also think that it's just nice to live abroad. It's nice to, give a, to get a perspective from far away on what you've grown up with, what you're used to. It gives you a new point of view to look at what you're, you've always kind of considered as an absolute truth or something that you've taken for granted or something that just seems part of the fabric of society and then you come somewhere else and you live there for a little while and you realize that there's a million different kinds of ways to live there's a million different kinds of ways to run a city there's a million different kinds of people and food and ways of life things you can do for a living or not do for a living i think it just it's just helpful to shake it up a little bit and, and see things from a different angle so i would say that's that's to me that's been the most positive aspect Okay. Well, begging the question, what's been negative? It's not what you're used to. Right. So it's, you're out of your comfort. You're definitely out of your comfort zone in some, in some cases. I don't speak Spanish as well as I speak English, so that's a challenge. In some cases where to convey subtlety or to your really Spanish understand. is pretty good, though. People at the, the other night at the restaurant, this gentleman assumed you were Catalan well, that and was, continued to speak to you in Catalan, right. which well, is that, a different language. That has nothing know. to do with my language ability and everything to do with the fact that I have dark hair and a beard. Because <laughs> I don't speak any Catalan at all. What was the biggest surprise? The biggest surprise, not to get too political, was just, is just that it makes the U.S. system seem really cruel, really, like, almost sinister in the way that they treat the most helpless people, in the way that like, they just allow people to really plummet to rock bottom and beyond without any sort of social intervention in a lot of cases. And um, here there's this sort of, there's this sort of a cushion for people to kind of get along and, and, and live a happy life in some ways. And uh, 
when you talk to people, there's like a palpable sense of relief. Not necessarily like, because they don't know. They don't know what they. They don't know the other way. Yeah, it's just when. I mean, in 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 America, especially in New York, like if you lose your job, you are fucked. You you got rent to pay. You got bills to pay. Like, how much savings do most people have living in New York City? Probably not a lot. They're like they're they're on the razor's edge. (laughs) The cost of living is so high. There's really not enough of a cushion. I guess I don't know. I. I'm just, it just seems that my friends that I've made here, and I can only speak from my own experience of the people I've spent time with in Barcelona, is just, they're just, the, the level of stress about what might happen, worst case scenario, is just much, much lower, less palpable, less ever present, that there's like this anxiety of somebody else is going to come in and take that job, or you're not doing the right thing, or you've got to be, there's like that, that sort of the footsteps falling behind you, always, yeah. you don't get that sense, or I haven't gotten that sense, uh, talking to people here. And Adam Rubin is running on the Democratic Socialist ticket for <laughs> New York City mayor. I would. Him. No, I mean, I wouldn't run, but I would support any third party, fourth party, fifth party effort. I think it's a good thing. We did a quid ore in Osaka. We did. Do you want to explain what a quid ore is? I'm glad you pronounced it because I'm not exactly sure. I thought you but did it well. Thank you. You basically just go and drink and eat at as many possible places as you can in one night. Right. And uh, How many places did we go to? I think we hit eight, so that's a bang, 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 bang. Oh, cool. Thank you for counting to eight. I was unclear. <laughs> I was worried I was going to mess it up. I was, <laughs> I was counting slowly. Thank you. I forgot how many eight was. Okay, you can never do that in Spain. Why is that? I mean, I know why because I've been here for four days, but right. I want you to explain to the listener. Well, one of the ways that I I really like the differences between Barcelona and New York hit me the most is when I go back and forth between them. So I was just in New York and it felt like within 15 seconds of being there I heard like four people just screaming at a stranger, like just screaming (laughs) curse words at a stranger. I realized like when you go on the subway in New York, people are running. It's not that uncommon. There's just somebody that will be running. Or like in the airport, somebody's running, like straight up, running around. And you think, wow, that person is like super late. They're, that sucks, you know. I don't know where they need to be, but right. like they really need to get there. And in Spain, I've lived there, I've lived here for like a year and a half. And I've seen maybe three people run in public that weren't exercising. Like run for a train or run up the stairs or like run down the street. They're just not in a hurry. They're just not. I guess you think, what's the worst that can happen if you're late to something? Apparently there's one dude on a motorcycle with like the entire bay, yeah. the entire seawall to know that he's got a good piece of machinery. That is a very loud motorcycle. So the pace of Spanish life translates... You couldn't do a cuida or in Spain because people don't move fast enough. You'd have to hurry someone way beyond their comfort zone in order to fit in eight places in a night. Right. And beyond that, it just wouldn't be the thing to do. It would be so against the current of the like the tide of life that it would just feel so bizarre. Do you find that Japan is a lot faster paced than Spain? Japan is like the polar opposite, or not necessarily? I just think it'd be hard to hit eight restaurants in one night. Yeah. I don't know that you could do it. There's a funny thing that happens. It happened to us tonight, where you'll go to a restaurant and say, there's two of us, can we eat dinner? And you look around the restaurant, there's nobody there. There's maybe like one table that has people eating. And the waiter will say, I'm so sorry, but we are fully booked. Yeah, that happened to me in Japan, but that's probably because... Well, I don't know why it happened in Japan, but the the reason it happens a lot here is because people make a reservation and 
they get that table for like the night or at least half the night right so that so there's like an 8:30 dinner seating and there's a 10:30 dinner seating sure something like that right and so if you go in there and and you're there at like i don't know 9 or 9:30 let's say and there's people coming in at 10:30 they would never dream of rushing you to eat your entire dinner in just an hour they're going to say well, you can't eat here we've got people coming right. in that we don't want your you know 80 euros 100 euros it's not that's not part of the that's not what this restaurant does no they're not like chasing the almighty dollar they're not like right. trying to maximize profit if you they're not trying to open a second location you know and like push the app right. so they make they're the better profit margin chain they're not on scene no list. they're just like we ordered this much food yeah. we can serve this many people we're going to make the food as, as best as we can yeah. And uh, then we'll close up, and we're not going to be open when we don't want to be open. So I guess you heard it here first, folks. Capitalism is dead. I wonder. Yeah. Have you heard the phrase end-stage capitalism? No, tell me what that means. I'm not exactly sure, but I, it just got such a good ring to it, it doesn't does it? It a good it ring. Feels yeah. like, it feels pertinent. It feels it's like a certain turn of phrase, yeah. My interpretation, not having done appropriate research, is just that it's like they tried capitalism and it didn't work, and now it's like they're, they're, everybody's like, oh, fuck. This system just makes rich people richer, That's and it makes poor people poorer, and that's what this system does. And maybe th- maybe there's enough rich people that are going, okay, that's cruel. We shouldn't do maybe, that. And, maybe and that's like end-stage Maybe, maybe more regulation. Oh, I, I guess don't know. that would make it non-capitalism in the strict. Well, I don't really know where the line is, but uh, that's okay. The president knows everything. He's got it figured out. He's yeah, let's talk about the president. On that's macroeconomics. Not, nobody, not enough people are talking about the president. We should definitely waste time <laughs> talking about him. <laughs> continue to allow China to rape our country, and that's what they're doing. I beat China all the time. They don't like us, and they're beating us. With me, they'll like us, and we'll beat them. You can't do business with China. Take the New England Patriots and Tom Brady and have them play your high school football team. That's the difference between China's leaders and our leaders. With China, we're losing $500 billion a year. They have in China trains that are so modern, so fast, so incredible. That is a strong, powerful government. China, 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 China. The greatest theft in the history of the world. What they've done to us, they've taken our jobs, they've taken our base, they've taken our money. I have tremendous respect for President Xi, the man from China. China makes a fortune with currency manipulation. It's cheating. President Xi and I have a great relationship, but we have to have some balance. Nobody knows currency manipulation better than China. Nobody. It's cheating. 60,000 factories in our country. Closed, shuttered, gone. Six million jobs at least, gone. I love China. China all the time. I love them. China. 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 I have people that I know in China. I know China very well. I have to have my China. We lost $500 billion a year for many years. It is the largest deficit of any country in the history of our world. It's out of control. We have a tremendous intellectual property theft situation going on, which likewise is hundreds of billions of dollars. That's how China rebuilt. I go to China. I don't knock China. How could I dislike China? I give China great credit. China has total respect for Donald Trump and for Donald Trump's very, very large 
a brain. China, you go there now. Roads, bridges, schools, you never saw anything like it. They have bridges that make the George Washington Bridge look like small potatoes. So if you went to China and you wanted to get a job in China, you want to buy from China? That's great. China has been attempting to interfere in our upcoming 2018 election against my administration. They do not want me or us to win because I am the first president ever to challenge China on trade. And we are winning on trade. We are winning at every level. Donald Trump's very, very large brain. The question was, born in England and put to death in Jamaica in 1721, Mary Reed is the only woman convicted by the British government of what crime? Reed was a pirate and was convicted of piracy. But she actually was not hanged as she died in her jail cell the night before from a fever associated with her pregnancy. It was a different time. The other thing I wanted to ask you about that has absolutely nothing to do with Spain okay. is yeah. you're one of the people in my life who is a frequent, persistent advocate for ice cream as a solution to all <laughs> of life's problems. I wonder if you could espouse some of your views on that. I don't know if it's a solution to a problem, but it's always good. It's never not good. It's never not good. If you look at Yelp or Google reviews or like TripAdvisor or something, try to find an ice cream shop that doesn't have like five stars. <laughs> what's, what's the worst that what can happen? What kind of curmudgeon would go into an ice cream place and I say think it's just hard stars. to fuck up ice cream. Like it wasn't cold. Is that the, that's the worst you can do. It's like, then it's not even ice even, cream. It's even just melted like, like ice cream soup at the end of the ice cream experience is pretty good. Yeah. You'd have to be just a dick to people. I think you even get away with being sort of mean if you work in an ice cream shop and people don't even notice. That's a great getting, job for you because you're, you're sort cream. of like a subtle prick. <laughs> I, I could work in an ice cream store. What would you do? Would you give free samples? You got to give free samples. That's how it works. Uh, what do you think is the correct number of free samples? Huh. Because you got to cap it somewhere. I think probably limit three. Per person? Yeah, because you try one, the one you think you're going to like, and you don't like it. You're like, shit, okay, that's number one. Yeah. And you go, let me try that other one, the second one. Yeah. And you don't like that. And if you try the third one and you don't like that, you don't maybe don't like ice cream that much. <laughs> you, you're lactose intolerant. Even if it's or like... intolerant. Even if you're trying to decide between three different ones, I right. think that's the limit. Have you ever gotten three free samples and then actually, when you ordered, ordered one a that was one? not one of the three? Because I have done that. Maybe, yeah, I might have done that. That's a good strategy, actually, because you read the limit. They're like, how many free samples need do you need? a whole portion of ice cream. American portion of ice cream is, is far too much ice cream. That's often true. Yeah, I... I do like an ice cream cone, but they do tend to give you a lot more ice cream if you get the cone. If you get a little cup, it's like, that's exactly how much that's ice cream you need. You need. You and, then, and you have a little tiny spoon, yeah. it feels like more ice cream. How do you feel about the, like, there's a lot of ice cream places where there's just too much. I don't need Can I just pause for a moment and, and question the listener as to what value this, this conversation has? might be providing? You know, Bricolage has won six Peabody Awards. And by that, I mean 
this guy, this homeless guy pissed on me. Oh, my God. And he said, you have a Peabody. I can't imagine why you don't have more sponsors. I don't know why. That's so strange. Every single one of your books is an official sponsor. You should at least get an ice cream place. Oh, my God. Do you know one? What's your favorite ice cream spot in New York? In New York, it's Scoops. Scoops in the West Village. Yeah. I love that place. Why do you love that place? Well, first of all, I like that it's not too cool. I think we're getting at the same thing here. Because I have issues when it's like the cow's name is Fred. He lives on a farm in the Hudson Valley. And, you know, here's a picture of him and his, I guess, actually only female cows produce milk. I didn't know that they had pictures of cows. At Ample Hills, they like tell you the cows, some of the cows' names. Yeah, I like Ample Hills. Don't get me wrong. But Ample Hills, some of the flavors are a little much. It's just also very cool. And they're like, look at our press. We're famous, you know. And like, they know how cool they are. They know how good it is. Right. And I feel like it's scoop. Maybe he doesn't know how good he is. He, a lot of people know that he's good because they always catch people in tabloids and stuff going out of there. Like you famous only people. go to places where the paparazzi have caught celebrities. Um, generally, do you know how pizza places put up the photos of the famous? Right. People like somehow in New York for small businesses, that's a measure of success to be like, look how many famous people have come here. What famous people have been to Scoops? Or you don't remember? Dude, I do remember. Let me think about that for a second. It's a, it's like a beautiful woman that you wouldn't expect to eat ice cream is the one that I like sticks in my mind. I want to say, hmm. Scarlett Johansson. No, it's like a more of a like a willowy classic. Willowy. Yeah, yeah. What like, does that I feel mean? like her hair is pulled back. Willowy, like light, graceful, thin actress. Um, Shit, it's on the tip of my tongue now. Emma Stone. Dude, she is not willowy. She's not. She's buxom, if anything. Buxom is like. Big breasted, right? Well, I think it just means full bodied in curvy and things. Okay. So I guess it could imply the crass. <laughs> um, however, you put it, I don't even remember. It was so gross. So I pushed repulsed. it out of my mind. I'm so vulgar and coarse. Anyway, whoever this woman was, she like played an elf in a movie sometime. Or she played an elf. Like an elf queen. An elf queen. That's willowy. Lily. Um, it, it's not. Uh, Liv Tyler? You know what? Liv Tyler used to live on my block. Do you remember that? I. She is willowy. She is willowy. I think so. She's just stunning. That woman is. I, yeah. I saw her many times. On the street. On the street. And I swear she's just like. It's, she's got a glow. For me, her. she is forever the woman in Empire Records. Yeah. Empire Records also. Um, I guess the Aerosmith video with Alicia Silverstone as well. Yeah. Right, right. That was how. They, how old were they? They were. Well, that was they must have been above daughter. eighteen, right? Because that would be weird if Steven Tyler put his underage weird. daughter in a it's still weird, in like a sexual. Well, yeah, but she it's wasn't st- necessarily sexual, except maybe just for me. It's still like weird. Every though, teenage boy he, who watched it was it. highly sexualized, if I remember correctly. I'm sure it was. Alicia Silverstone like jumps off of the bridge and then turns around, looks up, and gives the middle finger to the camera. But she still has to get off of the rope. Like she's. She's just jumped off of a bridge attached to a rope. So she's flicking somebody off, but they're going to have to pull her back up. So, I mean, she's going to have to be like, sorry for flicking you off. Or like, yeah, I meant it. When they finally get her up. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Who else is willowy? I really don't think I've ever heard that word. Willowy. Um, is that a word you learned in New York lit circles from your from having some New York Times bestsellers? I don't know. I, maybe now you're making me think it's not a word. I have never like a willow heard tree. It. A willow tree is a long and slender and moves in the to wind. Compare to a woman. Well, it's not necessarily a woman. A man can be willowy. Who's willowy? The men. Um, like a six foot eight center who's white. <laughs> sure. 
Yeah, okay. LeBron James is not willowy. He's not, but you know who kind of is willowy is, um, what's the dude that's in Peaky Blinders, the main guy? Cillian Murphy. Oh, he's willowy. He's willowy. Okay. Right? He's, like, very tall and thin and sort of, like, I gotta imagine these motorcycles are gonna fuck up your you think show. So? I think so. I think it's just gonna be really cool. Like, if somebody's listening to podcasts while, like, biking over a bridge or something. that's confusing to them. Yeah, they're gonna think they're, that there's a motorcycle encroaching them and oh, that's no somebody's good. gonna drive off a bridge and that's blame scary. it on bricolage. That's scary. But at least they hey, were listening hey, to the show. <laughs> do you think there's an ice cream place open? Yeah, should we go get ice cream and then talk about it on the podcast? Okay. Let's do it. Sounds good. Looks good. What flavors do they have? They've got their classic lemon, hazelnut, chocolate, vanilla, Oreo flavor, strawberry. It all looks pretty good, but I think I'm going pistachio. Okay, and it's artisanal gelato. Place called Gisper, G-I-S-P-E-R-T. There's about uh, 10 people in the shop. It is typical Monday night in Cadaquez at the gelato shop. I'm going to do pistachio or hazelnut. What do you think? You're going to do pistachio or hazelnut. Adam, the real question is how many free samples do you think we can get? I'm not going. I'm not going there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I wonder, is that maybe that's an American thing? What? Free sample. What do you need to know? It's, they're not, the reason you don't need a free sample is because they're not crazy flavors. They're not, not anything like, you haven't heard of before. Right. You can definitely get a sample, though. If you ask for one, you will. You think so? Absolutely. You think that's like, it's like when you go to an optician, they'll tighten your glasses anywhere in the world for free. At an ice cream parlor, if you go is that in, right? you can get free samples. Yeah, there's little tiny it's spoons. There's a code there of that. ice cream artisans. This is not ice cream, I should note. This is gelato. Yeah, I don't know what the difference is. Do you? I don't, but... I imagine there's an Italian person who would be very upset with me conflating the two. I think it's, cr- I think gelato's creamier. You know, I'm so glad you asked, Adam. As an FYI for you and for the listener and also for myself, I figured I'd do a little research here at Bricolage. It turns out gelato is the Italian word for ice cream. It's pretty similar to ice cream. There's a custard base, but there's more milk and less cream and eggs. Sometimes gelato has no eggs at all, and it's churned much more slowly, which means there's less air in the mixture, and it makes gelato denser than ice cream. The more you know. <laughs> I'm definitely not getting a cone. I'm getting a cup because I never do cones. I'm sure that's something you would you would say is just unacceptable. But hey, whatever you want. Man. I'm gonna do a cup with, oh uh, man, pear, pear, and vanilla. That's pear in the back left, I believe. It's apple. It's apple. Are you sure? It says posk. It's a poma. Uh, oh. Catalan, not Spanish. Oh. Catalan, foiled again by Catalan. Maybe I'm gonna get strawberry and vanilla then. Yeah, combo. Yeah, put in a cup. Do they have rainbow sprinkles, Adam? Um, no, I don't know. Hola, hola. Una copa de. Así, va bien. Sí. Adam, what is what is that topping right there? You want that on top? Yeah, I want that on top. I don't know what that is, but I want it. A gentleman is now making my cup. He just put a scoop of vanilla in. He's grabbing for the maduixa or strawberry. Did I pronounce that correctly, Adam? I have no idea. Well, I don't know what these are, but... Can you ask him what that is? It's chocolate. It's some bonbons. No, it's some M&M's. M&M's. Audio. Lo siento, por un podcast. Sobre gelato. Gracias. That guy does not seem thrilled with me. There's a cash machine. 
Adam, how is it? First bite. It's good. It's good? Yeah. All right, I'm gonna press stop. We're gonna get after this. That was some remarkable gelato. Very good. Only six euros. What were they saying to me? They're like, who's that man holding a dead rabbit and whispering <laughs> to it? Why is he wearing such big headphones? I think they actually think I was schizophrenic. <laughs> we'll have to go over the audio footage on that, but the old guy who was doing the scoops was, what did he actually say to me? I don't remember, but if, I think it was something like, what are you doing? I got the impression he was uh, not super pumped about whatever you have in your hand there. You should try the thing with the stars. You want to try something cool? Sure. Come here. This will work. All right, so here's what you do. So you look up at the sky right now and just like really look at just the, the dark part. Take your hand and like block out the, the sun, the, like any light that's coming from, from below, like any of these street lights and stuff. Now just keep looking into the sky for like a minute and you just see all these stars kind of pop out of nowhere. Yeah. You see them kind of fluctuating. And they come back. There, there's stars that weren't bright enough for you to see that now you can see. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Now you can see so much more, right? Yeah. It's a good metaphor for something, I just don't know what. Shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. The seven dirty words you can't say on television. Seven deadly sins and seven episodes of bricolage. Woohoo! Do you have strong opinions on ice cream? Think you can pull off the Cuida Ore in Spain? Email podcastbricolage at gmail.com and share all of the feels. This has been Bricolage, created and hosted by Lev. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. Theme song, sponsor song, and trivia song written by Alex Schiff. Special thanks to Vicky and Lucas Harvey. Creative Commons attribution credits are in the text description of each episode. I hope you loved it. If you did, please subscribe on iTunes and leave us a good review on the internet. And if you didn't then it's probably because you didn't pray enough. Or maybe you just masturbated too much. See you next time. <laughs>